Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor, and I'm very excited to be guest, uh, joined by my guest today, David Moore. How are you today? I'm great, thanks, Anthony. Good to be with you. Oh, it's awesome. I'm so excited. So uh, you're in Atlanta today. You are the CEO of the NOR Group. You are writing your 12th book. Anything else that I missed there? No, I originally came from Iran, didn't know anybody, didn't speak a word of English. I landed at JFK with a badge around my neck, put this kid on an Eastern airline flight to Atlanta, and he doesn't speak a word of English. So I'm, I'm the quintessential American dream. But otherwise, uh, this is the 20th year of our practice and uh, really enjoying working with some great, great clients. Cool. What is the favorite part of your of your day these days? What like lights the fire that is obviously like effervescent out of just speaking with you so far? Yeah, I got to tell you, uh, a lot of client strategies, whether you talk about a, a part of the business or the whole business, Anthony has become irrelevant in kind of the post-pandemic world, right? Mm. So they all had this grandiose vision and we use big terms like digital transformation. And what the hell does that mean? <laughs> right? And what are we going to, you know, if, if the last 18 months hasn't been an impetus for you to think and lead very differently, whether it's finding the right talent to kind of, and, and designing the right package for that talent, to developing your bench, to leading with digital, that becomes an enabler of you moving much more quickly, to finding very different, very creative source of supply chain. I, I, I'm not sure anything will. So mm. I'm having a lot of really interesting conversations with broad spectrum of leaders across a lot of industries and different size organizations who are making the best decisions they can with the information they have. Mm -hmm. And that requires an unparalleled level of agility that they haven't, to, haven't had to operate with before. And I got to tell you, this is year 20 of our practice. I've never seen the market this tough when it comes to finding the right talent. And I got to tell you, I think in the past, we created packages that we shoved the talent into, right? Here's a job, job description. Let's go find the best person to fit it. Now, I think we're learning to find the talent and really design the package around them, around mm -hmm. that which will bring the best version of them into that role, into the organization. And, and I've got clients that are calling back recently retired folks. I've got clients that are looking for increasingly are open to people working traditionally odd hours or shifts or however possible for me to get access to that talent. So these are just some of the really interesting conversations. By the way, don't even get me started on, on vaccine mandates, right? And, and how does that whole world going to impact, especially customer facing, right? What do we do with those people? So it's just, it's fascinating. It's, I think we're living in really interesting times and, and leadership matters more than ever before. 
Yeah, well, I won't get you started on on vaccines. I think it is important and uh, relevant that everything around us is is changing and, and adapting and, and best laid plans. And, and for our listeners, if you had gathered it, Nor is uh, a successful management consultant. He's in a different field than than I, but also very similar. And as I was reflecting on our conversation before tonight, I said, you know, consultants don't really do anything that special because you already have all the information. Like you, as the client, we just shift your perspective. And we shift how you think about things so that you can solve your problem. If you don't have a problem, we don't have a job, but most people have a problem. So you talked about decision-making, you talked about making the best out of a situation, you talked about agility, and you talked about everything that's going on. I want to get your perspective on what I think has been a, a critical component of your success, and I believe it's part of the ingredient for the future. What is your stance view on relationships and the importance of them within this changing and constant economic marketplace. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. The last two decades, Anthony, I've been a student of business relationships, right? So how do some of them work better in our favor than others? Why do we stay in touch with some people from our previous job or industry and not others? How do certain individuals teams and organizations accelerate their ability to get things done through few, but really strategic relationships. And, and someone else asked me recently to describe resilience and I called it elasticity. And if you think of a rubber band, right, it stretches before that point of release. It meets that point of friction, that point of impact really hard. And then it's actually stronger on the other side of it. So if none of us can anticipate the next pandemic or the next disruption, we can all definitively plan for it. And that resilience becomes, how do we anticipate? How do we get better at asking better questions? How do we build and nurture relationships? And I call them as you know, signal scouts, relationships in different parts of the ecosystem, relationships in different parts of the value chain relationships in very different industries that can give us those faint signals that then we can start to prioritize and say, ooh, that one is going to impact me. How do I plan for it now? And how do I leverage my relationships to not only go through the difficult times, but become stronger because of it? So we do a lot of work around business model innovation. So when you hear innovation, you hear typically products and services. And I would submit a lot of that is actually iteration, which is how do we do the same thing better? If you build an environment, if you build a culture, if you build a business that is unafraid of retribution and is willing to test a lot of different interesting ideas, then what happens is you're going to stumble into innovation. And again, my supposition is your relationships are some of the best sources to identify, to test, to give you candid feedback on that business model innovation. And if you do that, which is doing new things, you do enough of that, you're going to stumble onto disruption. And I would submit that mindset of iteration, experimentation, leveraging relationships to identify opportunities is your only sustainable differentiation. And the only way you're going to remain relevant in a world of constant change and constant disruption. Mm. So there's a lot of stuff there. So you talked about resiliency. You talked about if you develop resistance, then you will be stronger in the future. 
you talked about the importance of relations and as somebody that sends a signal. So even you are bringing signals into our listeners for them to recognize. You talked about business model innovation and iteration. And then before that question, you brought up the importance of great talent and how talent is changing. It's not, here's my job. I'm going to find somebody to fill it, but rather I'm going to find the person and find a job for them, which I think really speaks to relationship. Like you need to have a relationship with this person. It's not a relationship with a position and then you're going to innovate better. And then the other thing that I thought was interesting, if you look at the word relationship, it's just how things work together, which at the heart of it is just your business model. The business model is just how every component of your business works, including product services, talent. So you have to develop the relationships and the systems and the structure so that you can keep growing and doing stuff. So it's, that sounds like it's at the heart of what you do with people and how they need to start thinking. Unequivocally, yes. Uh, so, so the best managers, the best leaders you and I have always known are always recruiting. They're always building relationships. I, I have a, a client right now who's hired one of his best sales professionals. She was a waitress at a group dinner they had, and he was impressed with how on top of it she was and how quickly she was able to service multiple tables. And at the end of the night, when he thanked her, she simply said, well, that's my job. And he was just so impressed by the ingredients that he thought, if she can do that, give me the willingness and I can raise their ability. And that's exactly what he's done. I just recently spoke to him. She's become one of his best salespeople. And he wasn't recruiting a traditional kind of sales person for that role. But you're right. Build a relationship there. Um, he's brought in partners, sometimes unlikely partnerships to really help build parts of a business model that he couldn't be able to do himself. But by working through those relationships, they've brought together, again, I wrote a book called Co-Create, where two or more parties come together with a definitive set of strengths, and they bring their unique lens, unique experience to build something that none of them could have done by themselves. Again, another example of really strategic relationships at the heart of everything I've mentioned so far, resilience, talent, innovation, profitable growth remaining relevant. If you think of relationships at the center of that, all of those topics suddenly become the hub and spoke to kind of making sure you remain relevant. Yeah, absolutely. I, we had Keith Ferrazzi on the show a little while ago, we talked about co-creation. And, and I think the best managers and leaders, especially as mandates change, especially as work from home, you need to co-create the, the work situation, the living situation, so that everybody can have that great outcome. And I saw a video on TikTok today, talked about Hertz buying all these Teslas. And then they're like, well, let's partner with Uber. Let's have a common goal. And that's how we can, you know, modern problems require modern solutions. How do we work through that? So we talked about talent. We talked about that. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. You have written 11 books, uh, you have a 12th one on the way. I'm going to ask you a weird question. What is your least favorite book that you've ever written? They're all great. What's your oh least favorite? Oh, boy. Probably uh, one called Return on Impact because it had a lot of potential. And I was actually talking about digital relationships long before we were all forced to immerse ourselves in it. And, and the good news about books uh, is, uh, for me anyway, I actually learned as much, if not more, about my books after they come out, because other people will read them. They give you, they share their perspective. Some will push back. Some will say, what the hell were you thinking? Others actually appreciate your perspective and they give you a different lens. But that's why I, I kind of try to keep my books evergreen. And I go back and with each subsequent edition, 
I'll, I'll probably bring 30 to 50% new content in. So return on impact, I had higher aspirations for it. Uh, but the, the beautiful part is like a haircut. It'll grow back and you can always go back and, and, and do it all over again. But that's, that's the one that I'd love to go back to the drawing board and really rethink some of those approaches. Hey, sorry to interrupt. It's Anthony here again. I just wanted to let you know if you're enjoying today's episode, I'd love it if you could give us a review and a comment to let us know where you're listening from. It means a lot to us. It helps us with the algorithm. It also helps us get into the hands of more people so that we can keep bringing great guests onto the show. So please do that. Also, if you or your team are planning a strategic planning offsite coming up, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to see if we're a fit to facilitate, to support you and your team getting on the same page and getting clear about where you want to go. So you can visit smestrategy.net or click the link in the description. We'd appreciate both of those things. Now get us back to the episode. I, I got that. But the reason I ask is again, because of our conversation, you seem like a very, like a giver in terms of the content and the expertise. And there's some people who view themselves as, as thought leaders and they want everybody to know how smart they are. But it's, this is really about being generous with, with what you have and what you've learned. And if you talk about that co-creation, it's somebody, you take an idea, both as an author and a reader, you take it and you evolve on it and you build on it. And I assert that your next book is a culmination of everything that you've learned in, in all of those past books, uh, successful or less successful. Yeah, you be you and your audience would be delighted to hear that I'm not writing Harry Potter. I mean, I'm never going to get wealthy writing books. Books just become a great chance to capture. And I got to tell you, I, I always start with a question. So with mo the most recent one, Curvebenders, I was really curious about what will the future of my work, not, not all work, what will the next decade look like for me in terms of a knowledge worker? And not just the way I work, but the way I live and the way I play and the way I give to others. And, and I got really curious about disruptions. So the entire chapter two is on 15 forces that our longitudinal research shows Anthony is going to continue to disrupt every facet of our lives. And by the way, this pandemic is example of one, a black swan event. So to remain relevant, you're going to have to accelerate your learning and growth. Not the traditional 45 degree linear, you know, truck ramp, but a hockey stick, a non-linear growth that, that makes sure you remain relevant. And again, bringing it full circle, my supposition, my assertion is relationships, a few, but really authentic, really strategic relationships that, that re leave an indelible imprint on you, your direction, your destination. I call those relationships curve benders. And those are the ones that will remember 10 years, 20 years from now. Those are the ones that are going to really help accelerate our personal and professional growth. So let's look at accelerating growth team growth, and let's say you have a team that is on the upward trajectory of a curve, and then you have team members that are either flat or just incrementally growing. What do you tell leaders of those organizations on how to manage, I don't want to say manage performance, but you know, either support people getting accelerated in those growth or, or, or managing them? And I say that just contextually is because there's so much change going on, you want people to come with you, but sometimes people don't go along with you. So how do you manage that? Yeah, you got to, you know, everybody can talk about an empathetic leader, you, you, but practicing it is a lot tougher than most people imagine. And, and I'm a huge believer on, on hard on performance, soft on people. By that, I mean, there's got to be clear expectations of here's where we're going. Here's what we're trying to do. Here are the results we've got to get to. 
But I also understand that not everybody's going to get there. Not everybody's going to get there at the same pace. Anthony, what I've always looked for and what I coach my clients to kind of think about is the willingness. I mentioned it earlier. Give me the willingness. Give me the right attitude. Give me their scrappiness. Give me the resourcefulness. Give me somebody who wants to be there and generally loves what they do. I and others can help raise the bar on what they do and how they do it. If the willingness is not there, neither you, me, or anybody else is going to be able to make an ounce of difference. So I, I don't believe in the rah-rah, motivational, inspirational stuff. Inspiration is intrinsic. If you can't find the, if you get, I've always believed, you know, forget lighting a fire under somebody. You got to light a fire within them because that's what's going to get them excited about tackling that next challenge, that next opportunity. So, uh, you know, I, I force rank the team. The A players I'm loving on. I'm also looking at not just their current performance, but also the potential. Also, there are a lot of the you know attributes like trust, attributes like I'm a big believer of who are people cheering for in the organization? Anthony, who are they not cheering for, right? Who's, who is willing and able to play along with others and, and really get things done through others? So I'm looking for those attributes. A players I'm loving on. I make sure that they have the resources. B players, I'm coaching, I'm mentoring, I'm helping to raise the bar on what they do and how they do it. C players, unfortunately, I'm either looking to upgrade if I can, develop them, or help them find something else. Help them find somewhere else where they might be happier, they might be of a better fit. But that's kind of how I look at talent that might be either flat or, or struggling. How can, I'd rather deal with the devil I know versus the devil I don't know. So I'm always looking to really work with and help develop my, my existing team. But for whatever reason, just sometimes you've been around long enough to know it's just not a right fit. So how do we help them find something else that in a humane, in a humane way, find something else that might be a better fit for them? Yeah. And I find it's interesting. You're talking to somebody who they are transforming their own role in the organization to sort of backfill behind them and saying, hey, you know, like the people that were great when I was in that seat, but now that I'm out of that seat and somebody else is moving in, then it's, you know, this person's not cheering for that person. So how do I, how do I support them? So it's not necessarily how the organization was, but where the organization is going, given the uh, relationships of the rest of the talent. Any additional thoughts on that? Yeah. The other thing that I, that I coach leaders to understand is different organizations, particularly if you think of small, medium businesses or, or divisions or departments or functions, they have a life cycle. And in different stages of their maturity, they need very different skills and knowledge and behaviors. And by the way, what made your previous boss successful, which you perhaps took that role, may or may be something very different than what makes the next person in that role successful. So let's not come with a hardwired blueprint that only this profile and this profile only is going to succeed, let's really look at the environment and what skills, what knowledge, what behaviors are really conducive to the next phase of this team, this organization's growth. I just, again, I, I look at, that's part of that agility. That's part of that adaptability that I think more leaders need to embrace. And, and I think increasingly you're going to see that. I also have a very difficult time painting an entire generation with a single brush of all millennials are lazy. No, they really aren't. Right? I know some millennials who are really hard workers or not, you know, no millennial knows how to really build old school relationships. That's just not true. They do it very differently than you and I, you know, I may or baby boomers may or so don't assume your way is the only way. 
really look at the adapting needs of the leadership role and how do we help develop the next generation by looking beyond our own industry or our own way of doing things or just what we think we know. Some of these talent may completely surprise us by how they do something that's probably very different the way we may do it. Yeah, absolutely. So recognizing the internal strengths and weaknesses and that there's not one way to, to go about it. And, okay. and just to build on that, you know, if you tell people what you're after, the outcomes you're after, let them figure out the how, they may actually, within legal and ethical guardrails, they may actually surprise you in a, in a really positive way of how they get there. Yeah, got that. 20 years in the business, uh, have you been in Atlanta the whole time or Georgia? I, I have. Uh, the, the funny part is you're never a hero in your own hometown. So pre-pandemic, I was on the road 208 days, but my clients are global. They're, they're genuinely all over the place. But yeah, I've been here most of that, most of the time. Okay. How, what's it been like? Uh, actually, I don't know if I want to ask that question anymore. Really, I want to know, hey, what's it like, like you know, growing a business? But I'll give you a second question is, what was the, uh, the biggest aha for yourself as an individual growing a business? So not necessarily from a talent or culture perspective, but just kind of like a, oh, like something that was an yeah. aha as you yeah, I got to tell you, for a long time, I equated size with strength, right? So people will ask you, how many people in your organization? And you would scramble to add, you know, first word two and five and 10 and 20. And at some point I had a really big payroll. And then Anthony, I went and spoke with 35 clients. And I said, why did you hire us? And not a single one of them said, because of how many copiers I owned. I had an office and they never came to it. They never cared. I had a big payroll. They never cared. So what I figured out was the value of the ideas matter more than you know, the business cards or whose business cards is on there. And they want their problem solved. They want to be in a better position they were because of you. So for a whole bunch of years, I've been a solo practitioner unapologetically. And yet I still bring 10, 12, 15, 20 other people with me, but they're all contractors. And I don't have a bench sitting there collecting payroll. And again, clients don't care. What they want is a one neck to choke. What they want is a single person that's going to be accountable for, again, solving their challenges, as you mentioned, improving their condition. And I bring best of class people with me who've become unhirables. They don't want a full-time job somewhere. They want to work for themselves. We were working from home well before it was trendy to do so. And clients, end of the day, are going to ask, am I getting value for that which I'm compensating you for? So, not equating size with strength or impact was number one. Number two, I wish I had made the digital transformation myself years ago because you, as a service organization, your biggest asset is your knowledge, is your people, is the methodology of what you do and how you do it. And I got to tell you, we've been paper-based or, 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 or traditional mechanical, you know, way too long. So about a year ago, I, I made the commitment, three-year journey to both digitize and digitalize our business. I've just added a partner who is leading a, a, a digital kind of transformation, digital technology practice, as well as a red team that's around cybersecurity, cyber posture. So we're you know, another partner that's very you know, focused on the insights, actionable operational insights from that data. So we're, we're well on our way. We have a fractional CTO now that's taking our methodology and actually coding it into platforms. 
I wish I'd done all of this five years ago. But you know what? I think it's an African proverb. You know, best time to have planted a tree if you want shade is 20 years ago. The next best chance is today. So better late than never. And, and we're working on, on that transformation ourselves. That's awesome. Well, I love that. I, was, I literally said that today while I was looking outside. I said, I need some trees here. Well, I should have done earlier. I really like the, you know, that that applies to all situations. I think, you know, the one neck to ring, but also being really clear about the value, whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or whether you're a senior manager, is your people need that accountability from a person. And I think that if they have that clarity, it, it they know who to look for, but they also knew, know who to partner with. And again, goes back to relationships. You got to make sure it all works. Nobody cares about all of the fluff. It all goes back to the the heart and substance. Anything else to add on that, David? No, I I I uh, I, I want to double down on your comment about relationships. Again, the people that I work with, but and and the other thing that I've learned is the Jerry Maguire business model, which I've written about. The misperception, Anthony, is that we all want more. We want more contacts. I want more social media followings. I want more customers. You really don't. You actually, there's enormous value in fewer. Fewer, if you think about what we've done last 18 months, we've actually stayed in touch with the the relationships that are closest to us, right? Whether they're clients or colleagues or partners. So what if we focus on fewer, but really build more depth, build more meaning, build more authenticity, build more that, you know, people that are going to return your calls and emails in 24 hours. And they're going to call and ask, how are you doing? And what can I do to help? And few of those will create far greater impact both in our personal lives, but also our professional impact and our value creation. So I'm, I'm big on it's time to really filter down the essence of who are those few, but really impactful strategic relationships that you want to go to market with, that you want to innovate with, that you want to solve problems with, that you want to make decisions with. Those are the ones that you want to double down on. No, I love that. There's the idea of when it goes back to like subscribers, the thousand true fans, like the people that will really stick with you. Uh, That said, please feel free to subscribe and like the video. I'm okay with having a bigger network there. But yeah, making sure that you're really close with the ones that you're close with. So David, where can people uh, get a hold of you? Where can they get your books? Where they connect and uh, learn more about what you're doing? Sure. So the easiest place would be just our website, norgroup, N-O-U-R group.com. I would actually encourage you and your audience, if you go to norgroup.com slash forum, I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of the, the, the big social networks lately become promotional, politicized, and, and really polarizing. So I belong to several of these micro communities, and we've built one of our own. Again, norgroup.com slash forum. It's free. Come join the conversation. There's about 2,500 or so folks there. And this is what we're talking about, relationships and innovation and adding value. And and, uh, come, come, come join us there. That's awesome. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. I look forward to seeing you sometime in the future, wherever it might be. But it's been a blast chatting with you today. Anthony, I appreciate you having me. Thanks, everyone. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. My name is Anthony. Our guest today, David Knorr, spelled N-O-U-O-R. Uh, connect with him online. Um, if you enjoyed today's show, be sure to rate it five stars on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Subscribe, connect, and then join David's community so you can have great conversations with great people and build great relationships wherever you are in the world. And once again, my name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks for watching, and until next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that'll help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. 
It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it. It'll help your team think more strategically and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's gonna give you a plan that you can execute successfully. Because you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful. And we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus you can use the code podcast for $100 off. Course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course, use the code podcast for $100 off. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.